Growth requires breakage. This episode is a brilliant discussion with leadership coach Melissa Ryder Carson. We talk about leading from the messy. Here's a brief clip of what she had to share with us. All of us as individuals bring our set of experiences, our ways of working, our ways of thinking to us, which is great. It's that diversity of thought and experiences that drive innovation. That's awesome. However, as a leader, you need to find a way to harness what I call the messy, which is all of that stuff. And all those people are also motivated differently and, and they have baggage of things that are going on in their life and how they you know show up every day. And so I think as that leader who's trying to get everybody around, that job of that leader is to harness the messiness, the imperfections. My name is Catherine Ann Byam and I'm your host. What's your purpose and how does it integrate with sustaining life itself? For some of us, this question is a deep ache that we spend a lifetime trying to find, perhaps shifting direction as we learn and grow from one path to another. For many of us, our children give us a clear definition. Providing for them becomes our reason for being. For others, it's about enjoying the present moment, ever so fleeting and ever so beautiful. For still others, it can be financial, status, contribution or impact. In this podcast, my guest and I will share with you tips, ideas, and methods on how to build a career that integrates with who you are and the life you want to lead. We will explore the social foundation on which to build your transition and an ecological ceiling above which we need not climb so that we live not just for ourselves, but for our collective ability to thrive. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Career Podcast, Do What Matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's session. Today, we are talking about perfection with my guest, Melissa, who I will introduce to you in a short moment. First, I want to introduce you to a concept that we will surely visit in this session, and that is that growth requires breakage. Now, I want you to hold on to that as we are all organisms in constant growth, and even more so as we learn more about how we need to operate in this world that we live in and how we need to sustain this world that we live in. And you know, one of my core values is sustainability. So even when I talk leadership, I talk about sustainability. Okay, so while that's percolating at the back of your minds, I want to introduce Melissa Carson, who I met last year networking at the Women Tech Network event. It's a brilliant space created by Anna Randolovsky for hundreds of thousands of, of women in technology, but also women who support women in the workplace. And this is this is how Melissa and I started chatting. And Melissa is a seasoned global HR executive uh, turned organizational strategy advisor and leadership guide. And I just want to welcome you to the Courageous Career Club, Melissa. I'm so happy to be here and talk with you again. It's be fun. <laughs> I think so. I, I, I'm really excited about all the content that we've put into the session for you. So, Melissa, one of the many lines I've heard from you and love is this idea of creating workplaces that don't suck. <laughs> and people laugh when they hear this. But I believe that one of the reasons there's so many new entrepreneurs today in the world is especially in the great reshuffle, is because of this very precise problem of workplaces that suck. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about how you came to starting up on your own and what this idea means for you. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And I hesitated when I 
started saying this out loud because I'm like, as a it's an HR person, like, is that too bold to say, you know, workplaces shouldn't suck. So I had to sort of erase that <laughs> part of my brain and say, it, it, it's true. And I actually was really lucky in most of my corporate career that I got to work at great places. Um, you know, yes, you run into the bad manager, leader or whatever, or bad phases, but I saw what good could be. But I listen to friends and family and read some of the stuff that people are experiencing. And I'm like, that's wrong. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, because all the research says if people enjoy what they do and the people that they work with and they feel challenged and they, you know, have a good boss, they will do their best work. Um, Absolutely. So it doesn't have to be you know, this top down, rude behavior, you know, you are a resource, you are not a human, leave your work, you know, personal life at, at home, like, that's not necessary. And I frankly, COVID changed the whole game on this. Absolutely. So when you when you started out on your own, what were you thinking? How are you going to approach this challenge? Because I know that there are several approaches to this challenge. So I originally thought about this back in 2016 when I was leaving a corporate job. And at the time, I decided not the right time. But when I thought about doing it in 2019, I had this aha moment. Um, I was sitting in a conference room in Belarus at a, you know, traveling. And I was like, I love traveling. And not because I get to go see new places, but I'm like, I'm not necessarily just doing my day job. I'm I'm energized because I'm talking to people about their organization and how they make it better. And what are the times I'm on fire? I love this. Yeah. And I came to a point that I was like, I want to just do this. Like right. I love my job and I have great opportunity and great people, but I'm like, I want to see if I can do this. And I also had you know, some points where I'm like, I don't want regrets. Like I would rather go into and try this um, and decide that I don't like it or I'm not good at it than not try it. So I was like, I know lots of people have done it. Why can't I do it? So that's, you know, sort of how I went into like, I'm going to be a coach and a consultant. And I had people tell me, you got to pick one lane. And I'm like, I'm not ready to pick a lane. So yeah. I, and, and, you know, we could talk at length about picking lanes and all of this, but I totally agree with you. I don't have one lane, but I do infuse as much as possible my essence and my values into all the lanes that I choose. But let's, let's pivot to this conversation about perfection, because I know that's why people have come to listen to us today. And I want to talk about it from three contexts. So there, there are sort of three ways that we experience this perfectionist, perfectionist thing um, through being a freelancer, because the context of a freelancer is someone who is in business for themselves and therefore has to rely on themselves completely, to being a startup with a team where innovation is really key and how you how you bring innovation out within the context and parameters that we have and understanding we have about perfection. And then looking at larger organizations where expectations in general are extremely high about how they continue to perform. So there's sort of three lenses that we could tackle perfection. And, and maybe we can start uh, from being a freelancer and, and your thoughts, your thoughts about it from that angle. Yeah, and, and we were talking a little bit about this before we got started around when you go out on your own, the bar of entry is that you know something <laughs> that people might be willing to pay for or, or spend time on. And But as a, as a 
entrepreneur, that's only a really small piece of the job. And I think if you are self-motivated and driven and you a perfectionist and an achiever, you're like, okay, I got this. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, I've got to do all these things that I'm not really good at, or yeah. I've never done before, or really scare the hell out of me because maybe I'm not going to be good at it. And so I think that mindset of perfection gets in the way um, because the reality is if you're going out on your own and you haven't done parts of the job, whether it's the social media or the website design or the marketing or the business development or or whatever part of it, you got to get curious and be willing to try it and fail, but fail fast or realize at a certain point in time that you're not the expert on that. And from an ROI perspective, you should pay somebody who is, because if you're better at something, let somebody who's the expert do their thing, which is a really hard mindset thing because you're like, I'm not making that much money. I shouldn't be paying because I have the time. I'm not that busy. I should do it. And I suffer this one a lot um, because I also like to learn things first and yes. try it um, before I hand it off. But I think it's realizing that being perfect in your, well, none of us are perfect and will ever be. And if we keep striving for that, I think that's the wrong um, choice. You know, I would say strive to be the best version of yourself at all times, but be happy with who you are at the moment. That's absolutely entrepreneur. I mean, and I think you have to, it's a hard slog because you are by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're at the point of bringing on board the team. So mm -hmm. we're now having that small startup. How does perfection start getting in the way here? All of us as individuals bring our set of experiences, our ways of working, our ways of thinking um, to us, which is great. It's that diversity of thought and experiences that drive innovation. That's awesome. Yeah. However, as a leader, you need to find a way to harness what I call the messy, which is all of that stuff. And all those people are also motivated differently and, and they have baggage of things that are going on in their life and how they you know show up every day. And so I think as that leader who's trying to get everybody around, and it's easier when it's a small group because you can sit around the table and you all know each other probably and you know that part's easier but you're still carrying everybody's imperfections into it and so that job of that leader is to harness the messiness the imperfections to get to the maximum benefit it's kind of like a, a coach of the sports team frankly of i have all of these players that I've got to put them together in the best possible way so that we all win as a team, not that my superstar um, is able to, you know, show up with his right metrics and things like that and the right stats, but the whole team has to work together. And how do I do that? How do I motivate that? And particularly I, as the leader, have my own package. I have my own life that, you know, of how I show up. And I hate that that person doesn't think the way that I want, uh, the way that I think, and I have to actually challenge my thinking. You love it and you hate it. And so I think it's it's a give and take, but it's a realization that none of us are perfect. There's not one way to do things. We've got to change it up and be willing to be curious about, okay, let me rethink what I thought I knew. I get that. And I, and I think when you're building a small team and, and getting that stuff out there, one of the fears you probably have as well is that you know, you're going to give away some of your own unique USP. And that's one of the things I think that gets in the way of making all of this work and making it all come together. And there's a fear factor. There's a, 
even an imposter syndrome factor of can I really take this on? Can I really make this all work for everyone? I don't know what your thoughts are on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely take the the burden of uh, people's livelihoods are, you know, my responsibility. Like if, if we fail, particularly if, if people are putting skin in the game from a financial perspective, from an investment and or not taking salaries, those, I mean, you feel the weight of the world yeah. um, on you. Like I'm not at that point in my business, but I'm like, I know people who are, you feel a lot of responsibility. And I think that also potentially takes you down a place where you do parts of the work mm-hmm. that, really aren't where you as the CEO or the director, like whatever, should be spending your time, yeah. but you feel obligated or you don't want other people to feel like they're overworked. So it's it's finding that fine balance of where do you add value? When do you roll up your sleeves and yes. you know, do the, the, you know, the, the more administrative work that everybody in a small company has to do? But being conscious of, okay, am I doing those somewhat simpler things because they're easy, because I'm trying to avoid the harder things that I know that aren't my favorite thing or my sweet spot. Um, But I think also be as that leader recognizing if if this niche is not your sweet spot or say doing your business development or doing your marketing, then find somebody who is like be willing to admit that's not your sweet spot and find a person who can be that person or who is that person who's going to challenge your thinking if everybody else is saying yes. Yeah. Um, you need that. Yeah. And now we're going to move into the big one. So organizations, big mama things that probably are slower to change, but need to, and how perfection gets in the way here. And I think I think it's more than perfection that gets in the way. It's probably a bit of legacy. It's a bit of uh, the culture that has survived over time. What are your reflections on that in the work that you've done? Yeah, I mean, I think perfection shows up in a couple of ways. I mean, it usually shows up at the, at the individual level, either the leader or the employee of, and, and sometimes an organizational culture contributes to, to it. So if that culture really makes you uncomfortable to fail, because yeah. you know people get fired, people get you know bad performance ratings. Like if you do anything wrong, then anybody who leans towards that perfection factor is going to feel like they're often stuck, or they're going to really worry and micromanage their team yeah. to make sure there is not a tiny error in anything. That in some organizations and some teams are like, okay, doesn't really matter. Like yes, you screwed up. Yes, you need to fix it. But there are some leaders in some organizations where that's not acceptable. And I'm not saying that careers where it's life and death and, you know, a little error changes the trajectory of the world. But most of us aren't doing that kind of work. Um, And so perfection at that leader level of what the, the environment they're creating for their team can be a challenge. I think the other piece that gets in the way, as you said, was what's the historical way of working? Um, a lot of times organizations will bring in new thinking, new sets of experiences because they want to evolve and change. But it's kind of like organ transplant. Yeah. Often that's rejected because it's different and it's uncomfortable and it requires people to change their processes and ways of thinking. So sometimes it's really hard to create that change in the organization. But I think I've seen big organizations change, mm-hmm. but it starts with I think a bottoms up and top down. I think there has to be a population of people who are hungry 
for something different, as well as a leadership, whether it's at the very top or whether it's you know midway or or even at the team level, who's willing to say, yes, we can make this different. And I think today, every organization is challenged because the game has changed. Like any organization that is telling you or, or saying, hey, we're going to go back to the way it was, is missing the boat. Yeah. I mean, anybody who does that is, is an organization that I don't want to be a part of because realistically, they're saying the past, whatever, 19, 20 months at this point, we didn't learn anything that we should take forward. And frankly, most employees are saying, I want something different than I had. I want flexibility. I want my employer to care about me, like that my family has you know, been impacted by this. Like the dynamics change. And so organizational leaders and, and organizations that themselves have to evolve in some way. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's one way or the other. Like it's what did I learn and what do we need to go forward with our customers, our clients, our stakeholders to be successful? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think I think as well that part of it is is really embracing that failure is the part to success. And yeah. it's it's this whole idea of breakage. I remember getting a quote from Alex Osterwalder from his book, The, the Invincible Company. And he was basically saying that you need something like 250 viable things that you start doing mm-hmm. before you can have something that that hits yeah. the billion dollar mark or something like that, which suggests that there's going to be a lot of loss. There's going to be a lot of people feeling invested in an idea that then the business doesn't carry through. And it doesn't make it an invalid idea. It just yeah. means it's not the scalable idea that we want to go forward with. And I think I think understanding these relationships is also key, right? Yeah. And it made me a little bit of a tangent, but it made me think like it's it's those risks also that of, of that you, where you might fail, mm-hmm. um, but if you don't go at it, you, you will miss out. So you know, I just got you know a letter saying, "Hey, I wasn't chosen to speak at something," yeah. which is a failure. And like, I, I want to get the you know check the box that everybody you know who I say I want to speak at their thing that they want me. Um, so it's a failure on one hand, but you're like, okay, but if I but I tried it. Maybe I wasn't the right person for that. And so it's changing the lens around what do you take away from that? Yeah. Um, I could, you know, I'm not that, that was not that important from that perspective. Like I'm not going to set me back, but it's a disappointment. And how do you take the, I want to be that person. Yeah. Um, And I see Linda's question about perfection of of, of stopping at good and not chasing great. Um, I think you have to sort of accept who you are and that you're not going to win every time. But, you know, put the the emphasis on the stuff you really, really want to win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, I want to tap into this, this whole idea of acceptance and like, like your thoughts, your thoughts on it. Like I I remember once writing a, a piece on, on this whole topic of acceptance and like, I think one of the, the key fundamentals is your decisions improve with wisdom. Mm. So today's you is different from tomorrow's you, from next week's you, from next year's you. So you have to take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on 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 that as well? Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I thoroughly agree. Like who who you are today is is different because hopefully. Actually, I say hopefully, because if you are that same person, 
from week to week and year to year, then you aren't growing. Like you are not stepping out of your comfort zone to learn something new or to meet somebody new. And so you're not getting that wisdom because you haven't done anything that would give you that growth and the wisdom. So, okay, well, I've tried this and that I didn't like it. It didn't work, et cetera. You're not gaining anything. Um, And so I think it's valuing every lesson. And I think in this busy world, very few people are taking the time to pause yes. at the end of the day, at the end of the week, to actually plan before a meeting to say, okay, what, what just happened? <laughs> did I, did I learn anything? Did I, do I have anything to do from that? So that busyness factor also plays into that, that wisdom or the feeling like you're always on the hamster wheel um, towards perfection because you're never reflecting, okay, well, wait a second. I'm so far beyond where I was last year at this time but you've never slowed down enough to actually realize that, you know, you are making progress. You are yeah. uh, growing. Yeah, that's that's massive. I, I think that's so important. Um, and then and then, yeah, I guess I guess the whole concept of failure is learning is is the most essential thing that we could take forward. Like if I've if I've learned anything about being an entrepreneur, it's that I I think this is one of the reasons I'd encourage anybody to start something small, even a side gig, just to experience this failure is learning concept, because we don't get the chance to fail in established organizations where you have set processes and set routines that actually came from those failures. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, and I think where we do see it in in organizations more often is around um, just when you, you you screw up somehow. Yeah. Um, and I wrote about it today, and I so many people face it, and I you know had my sucker punch you know failure at work you know years ago that I carried for a really long time of like, holy cow, um, I am not perfect. Not that I really thought that, but I'm like, I'm not. And mm-hmm. it's come back to, to bite me a bit. And, you know, how do you get past that to say, okay, that is a lesson. I've yeah. learned it. I, I carry the lesson, but I don't carry the, the failure and the regret with me forever. And I think yeah. so many folks out there that aren't going to take that on, because I don't think the entrepreneur route is the right thing for everybody. Yeah, um, because it is a different mindset. It's different. And I don't I don't know for me if, if it's my long term thing, if, if that's my way of working. It works for me today, um, but it's hard work. It's different work. And so there's a lot of ways to create impact within organizations as well as outside. I do like the part about being my own boss, though. I kind of miss having a team. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the downside. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to move to something that you also talk about a lot, which is taking leaps of faith. If you want to elaborate. Yeah, and it's funny. I was listening to a podcast, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, and um, this coach was saying, you, you need to, what are you different from other people on? And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know what? I have taken these career leaps of faith um, where I wasn't sure I was going to have them. I'm like, I need to do it. So, and then when I started thinking back, I'm like, there have been other of those leaps of faith that I didn't know what was going to work out. And many people would have told me you're crazy and and did like, and they, they weren't super bold or or outrageous. You know, I wasn't bungee jumping off, you know, a bridge. I did do that too. It was fun. (laughs) It was really fun. (laughs) But it was, you know, quit your job without another lined up. Like I had a financial safety net, but it's still like, 
why, why? And part of it was, you know, for me was, I don't want to job search while I'm, you know, feel like I, I have a loyalty. Um, but I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. So I need the time to, to, to think. And it, it goes back to the journey I said about deciding to, to go out on my own. It was, it's a risk. I don't know if it's going to fail. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but I don't want regret yeah. um, because I would rather try it. And yeah. which is, it is scary because yeah. I do like to be perceived to be successful, you know, at everything that I do. I am yeah. competitive um, by nature. I, I have always been since I was a child. I am now. Um, but sometimes you have to take the leap of faith. And sometimes it is a, a hop or a skip. I, I talk about the hop, skip, jump, you know, leap, you know, but it, it has to start with something. Um, because otherwise you live in that box that is your comfort zone and you look at the thing that you really want or try or what other people have that you think you might like and you never get there because yeah. you're scared to take that leap of faith. So it has to be some level of faith in yourself that things will work out. I mean, faith in yourself or, or bigger faith, if, if depending what you believe, that things will work out however they're meant to work out. And that, you know, most of these decisions are not life and death and they can be changed. Yeah. So if you make the wrong choice, you can change it. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I was watching recently, I can't remember if it was on Amazon or Netflix, but it was a show about um, intuition and the role of intuition in decision making and how you know, everybody talks about being data driven now and, you know, but with all the best data in the world, there's still a human making these decisions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you go against the data. Mm -hmm. And and I, I guess I guess the, the, the bit here is how do we kind of connect this idea of taking a leap of faith mm -hmm. with that sense of intuition? There's a sense of knowing Mm -hmm. that that we have that we haven't figured out how to map yet so you know the science isn't isn't 100 clear yet but there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence like I, in the show one of the examples that they gave was that um when people have a stroke on the left side uh, i can't remember which side it is but one of the sides it's harder to come back from mm -hmm. it's harder to retrain the brain from um, because there's there's a different uh, there's a different sensation that's coming from people on the right side of the brain, that creative side of the brain. There's mm -hmm. a sense of of knowing that is beyond what sort of your logical side is able to understand. So your left side might not understand that you're missing a limb, for example, yeah, right. but your right side will feel lost. And I, I thought that was amazing, but we still don't understand how it all works. But yeah. there is something in taking a leap, a leap of faith and a jump and, and taking those decisions that comes from a sense of knowing. How do you kind of tap into that? I mean, I think that's a great question. And I think, I mean, I, I believe we have, our gut tells us, like we, like you just have this, this feeling like I, I need to do this. I'm scared to do this. I need to do this. And I, of being, you know, not being willing to let that go. If, if that voice or that feeling, it continues to be there. I think, I do think that's a sign. Now, I would also say back to your points around the data, it's don't leap with no research. Like do, do your homework. Um, I know I, I didn't do as much homework as I probably could, but I don't think you actually know 
um, what you're getting into to you do it. I mean, I, I think about a job interview where somebody said, hey, do you understand a matrixed organization, what that means? I'm like, of course I do. Like, I understand conceptually. And then yeah. I got there, I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> what you mean by matrix organization. And I think it's the same thing of going out on your own, you know, yeah, I understand I need to do these things and create my business plan. And it, I know all that intellectually. Yes. Um, but you have to have that gut hunger, you know, like I, I can be successful in, in tr trying something new. I do have something to offer. So it's a little bit of belief in yourself. Yeah. Um, and then trusting your gut. And, you know, some people don't trust their gut um, and have to do the work to figure out why. Yeah. Is it because you've really made bad decisions all your life or just mostly because people are telling you that, you know, you shouldn't. But this brings me to to the last question I'm going to ask you today. And, and that's around coming up with this idea of a board of directors for your life and, and for your business. Right. So not necessarily to hire them in, but, you know, as you're making these important changes, having having a, a panel of people who you can sort of talk to. And you you really brought this to life for me a couple, what, last year when you when you mentioned that you were doing this. And I'd like to understand how you go about choosing the members of that board because you know we talk about we can't necessarily trust our friends and family to give us to tell us what we really need to hear <laughs> um so how do you go about getting that board together yeah and i think in some ways some people might say it's the 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 uh, community of mentors that are out there um but for me and and i don't remember who where i read it first of having your personal board of directors but i it was not my unique idea but started to think about who are the people that, it's back to creating a team. It's who's going to give you the diversity of thinking. So who are going to be the people that either bring a set of expertises that you need because you're not good or comfortable in it, or they're bringing a network. They're going to be the champion of some of the things that you do that they inherently believe in where you're going. Um, and then some that are going to be that voice that you need to hear, like, I don't think that's your great, that it's a great idea. Um, yeah. And be honest with you and that you will be willing to listen to it. So it's very similar to what you would think about from an external, you know, or nonprofit or corporate, like you want a mix of people who are smart in the areas that they're smart in, um, that are willing to, to use their voice to express um, their opinions, they understand the strategy of you, the person, you, the, yeah. the, the CEO, whatever you're the CEO of your life or your business or whatever, understand that strategy and want to see you succeed. Yeah. And that sometimes is the hard messages and sometimes that's the rah-rah and sometimes it's engaging their network. And I used um, a part of my um, board last winter, I was contemplating, you know, I saw this internal job opportunity. And I was like, oh, it's showing up. It's exactly kind of what I think I want to do. Um, is it showing up because it's a sign? Like, is, right. is that why I'm seeing it right now? Why it's it's in front of me? Um, and have, like, I can get swayed to, yeah. to think about that. And through the conversation, it was like, one of the great questions that was asked was, okay, if you go do this for two years, will it what's the, what's after that? I'm like, well, then I'm probably going to go back to doing th what I'm doing right now. And like, okay, so will that experience make you more successful in your business in two years if you go do it? And yeah. I can say that for what I wanted to do or what I thought I wanted to do at that time that I really needed 
that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I said, okay, then I am still in the right place right now. Yeah, yeah. It's so important and and so very valuable, I think, to have it. And I think, you know, if you're an, an employee in an organization, it's still relevant for you. You know, and it's it's and and I think it's really important because we sometimes, you know, having having worked in a corporate world for twenty plus years, you you sometimes take on board this idea of one mentor, and that person is usually someone who has done the same job as you, and and there's value in that. There's value in having someone who's walked this road before, but there's also tremendous value, especially today, especially right. as things become more complex, VUCA, as they say. It's especially important to have a cross section of ideas come into this this whole idea of of your your mentorship body so to speak and I think the one other thing I would highlight because it came up in a conversation I was in earlier this week is that when you are in a larger organization or like your world becomes very insular in for many people yes um, and you forget to, to spend the time with the people that you've worked at a past job with or that do similar work or do that go to that networking event um, and I caution people because because at some point in time, you're going to want or need to rebuild those relationships. So yeah. remi- remembering that those aren't necessarily just for, you know, when you need it, but more, hey, talking to somebody else in another organization or another field about what you're trying to do is going to give you new ways of thinking about the same problem. So it's not about networking to network, but it's more, how do I get you know, diversity of ideas um, into my brain as I'm trying to solve this problem. Yeah, absolutely. Melissa, this has been a fabulous chat. I've I've loved every minute. We could go on forever. I know we can, <laughs> but, but we need to stop. <laughs> um, how can my listeners connect with you and, and find your work? Yeah, I think the best place, um, I post daily on LinkedIn um, and uh, my ideas on leadership, predominantly teams and how do you lead yourself? Um, how do you lead others? So that's the main places. You can also find me on, I have a business Facebook page and a, my LinkedIn business page has all the articles and podcasts and things that I love. Um, so that's probably the other way to check it out. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, Melissa. And thank you everyone for listening. Next week, I have another episode with someone in the sustainability space, a, a book author um, who's who's pretty brilliant in what she does, um, Alice Smith. So I hope you will join me for that as well. It should be around the same time next week. So looking forward to that. Thank you, Melissa, again, for, for having this, this conversation with us and for encouraging us that um, it's okay to break things as you grow. Thank you for having me. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you today by the Courageous Career Club. Have you picked up your own copy of Do What Matters, the Purpose Driven Career Transition Guidebook? To find out how you can get your copy, as well as resources that go alongside it, visit my website, www.catherineannbyam.com, or engage with me on the socials. I'm looking forward to hearing from you.